How y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the Across the Cowboys podcast. This podcast is part of the Across the Board Sports Podcast family. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. With me, as always, is my co-host, the greatest co-host in the world, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you? Haven't you heard? The world's ending. The season's over. The season's a loss. Everything's done. Our quarterback isn't worth $40 Our offensive coordinator needs to take the Jags head coaching job. Mike McCarthy needs to be fired. Tyron Smith needs to retire. Zeke needs to be cut. That about that about covers it. Yeah, that's about what I've heard since since yesterday. I think we got eliminated from the playoffs too yesterday, right? Oh yeah, totally eliminated. Washington's going to take our Eagles pop into the top spot. And Washington's just going to take the Eagles spot, and they're just going to let those two go because, you know, we lost the game to Arizona in week 16 of the season. So it's all over for the 11-5 and five Dallas Cowboys because they didn't beat the teams that everybody wanted them to beat. Yeah, for the first time in NFL history, a division title has been revoked after being won two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, they took it away. They were like, F it. You can't – whoever you play in the first round, even though you've – beat the saints you've beat the eagles you've you've already beat those teams you can't win you can't win the whole thing guaranteed it's not going to be a cakewalk like if we would have won arizona we guaranteed would have won every game in the playoffs by like 20 points and won the super bowl guaranteed but we lost to arizona so now they have no chance so it's like they just canceled the season so we're uh we're doing draft today, right? Is that what we're going to talk about? I have not yeah, we're, looked at one person, so let's not do draft at all. Yeah, after yesterday's pick, we've now secured a number one overall pick, so we're <laughs> focusing on the draft. Nice. <laughs> For those of you who don't know Mike and I's humor, the sarcasm is being laid on pretty thick. Yeah, and and uh, I'll transition you right to Twitter because man, I try to be sarcastic on Twitter, and I get half the reactions are. You're an idiot, and I have to go, it's sarcasm there, buddy. Why don't you chill out? And you can find that work at CD Piglet nice and easy. And people are still wondering why you're verified there, right, Mike? Yes. Oh, God, I get that all the time. It still makes me laugh that Tom's the one that let (laughs) me know. The biggest Eagles, like, the, the guy you think of when you think Philadelphia Eagles on Twitter, and he was the one that was like, how the hell are you verified? Made me laugh. That's how I figured out I was verified. That's great. That'll be a great story for as long as I remember it. He he lives rent-free in a lot of Cowboys fans' minds, sir. He does. He does. It's funny. Me and him get along great now. Like, he never says anything. Me and him talk about the Eagles in Dallas, and we never really go back and forth since we've had him on, you know, like, to the dumb degree, to the, you know, Twitter fan degree. We more take it like, I don't know about if that's going to work or I don't know if this is going to work, but it's not like, no, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. We never, we never do that anymore. So now that at this point in the season, Mike, you know, with the, with the Eagles securing a playoff spot, have your feelings at all changed on Jalen Hurts? Nah, he's just, I just don't think he's very good y'all. I really don't. I, he's, he, He's better than I, I will give him credit that he he'll be in the league. I honestly, I honestly thought he wasn't going to stay in the league, but he's too good of a, of a worker. And he's too good of a person to not at minimum be a backup on some team. 
and mm-hmm. get some good play, some good run. Like, I'll be honest, I'll take Jalen Hurts as our back as Dak's backup. I wouldn't mind that at all. Now, it's gonna take a few seasons right now. Even Eagles fans think like, oh yeah, he's the guy. We made the playoffs, but they don't realize it's it's a lot of running and and defense more than like if you got to strap it up and put it on Jalen Hurts to win it, you're gonna be in trouble. He he like he is a lot of what people think Dak is. Like, you know, he never, you know, he can't do this and that and the other. And I'm like, dude, Dak is like gone toe-to-toe on Tampa's defense. Like that game that Dak had against Tampa's defense, I, I don't see Jalen Hurts being able to do that. Or uh, mm-hmm. what he did to New England in New England. You know, he's he reminds me of a, of like a Lamar Jackson where he's he has unique skills, but that but he doesn't do him well enough like Lamar to to be like an MVP or win that many games, and he just doesn't throw well enough at this point. Maybe he'll continue to get better, but. If I'm the Eagles, I'm looking, if I can move up and there's a a quarterback there that I think is worth it, I'm looking to, to, you know, improve at the quarterback position somehow or trading for a Watson or a Rogers or whatever. I'm, I, if uh, as a Cowboys fan, I hope they, that Jalen hurts and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones are all the quarterbacks next year because we'll walk another division title. So. So if the Eagles add like a uh, maybe an Allen Robinson, a Traylon Burks, or even a Garrett Wilson, are you not worried about the Eagles because of Hurts? Yeah, I mean, look at Allen Robinson this year. He's been great so many years, but it's just there's only so much you can do if your if your quarterback's not you know not good enough at getting you the ball consistently. Understandable. Well, Mike, we talked a little bit about Twitter. Remind the people they can find you there. At CD Piglet, guys. See, I'm, I I transitioned that earlier. I had that in there. I didn't hear you drop the handle. It was so smooth, Mike. It was, I mean, it went right over my head, sir. Hey, look at that. I'm doing better. I'm learning from you. <laughs> guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. You know, Mike, as always, I'm looking forward to our next topic. You know, I'm hoping you hooked up something good this week. What was on the Meatless Monday menu? All right. So for breakfast, I had a smoothie blueberries bananas spinach and an apple and you just blend it up with water it's actually it is actually pretty good but boring and then you've heard the one that i've had uh that i had for lunch i needed to use some i have the cauliflower crust and i got a arabata uh spicy um pizza sauce and then uh just cheese and some sun-dried tomatoes because i can't have meat and I don't know quite yet what I'm having for dinner. I haven't decided if I'm going to do something really fun or not, but it was kind of busy today. So I had to do something that I could just throw together and throw in the oven real quick. So unfortunately, nothing spectacular, but I, I apologize. So with the smoothies, why mix it with water? Not like uh, almond milk or, or orange juice or something. You can, but I just, I, I, the almond, the almond milk brings a little flavor that I don't really need with it. I just, I honestly just use a bottle of water and mm-hmm. pour it in there. I don't, I don't really, I don't ever use sink water unless I, I'm boiling it like cooking. I won't drink sink water. Really? That, that's how far your palate goes, huh? where you won't even drink tap water. Well, I just think the, that, that the, it's just not good. It like tastes too leady. Like, like I won't drink sink water anywhere. I just, yeah, I got to have bottled water. I don't like the, the taste of like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but sink water 
you know, it has a taste that I just, mm -mm, I can't drink it like just out of a glass with ice and stuff. You know, now you're saying that I, I wonder because when I go to a restaurant, if I'm not drinking an alcoholic drink, I'll usually just drink water. But when it comes out of the Coke machine, I wonder, is that filtered, you think? Yeah, I think so. I That's right. I do drink water at restaurants. I drink water with lemon. Uh, I put a lemon wedge in yeah, there. Yeah, same here. Water. So I don't know if that's coming out of a sink or what, but I don't, I don't taste it. I would imagine, yeah, it's filtered if it goes through the machine. Interesting. Well, Mike, let's get right to it. You know, was this game a classic case of looking past an opponent? I don't think so. I just, I just think they got beat. They got outplayed and they got outcoached in all three phases. If you look, they, they got beat with a fake punt. Zerline missed a field goal. They kicked all their field goals in. Uh, their deep, our defense was not terrible, but their defense played better. Their defense yeah. at expectation. If you look at the matchup of our offense and their defense and their offense and our defense, they outplayed compared to what, you know, was expected. And then obviously their offense wasn't great either. Um, but their offense did more than our offense did. So I just think they beat us in all three phases and it, and it started with the coaching. I thought they had a, a better game plan and executed it uh, better than we did. Yeah, Mike, you know, playing with a playing a team with something to prove and playing in a game where bad penalties and calls not going our way was just a, a too much for us to overcome, especially when, you know, we're going to get into it, but with the way that the first three quarters went. Yeah, I agree 100%. It wasn't uh, – this wasn't a, oh, we overlooked them or like Denver. This wasn't a Denver. We came ready to play, and they were prepared to play uh, – they were prepared to play us better than we were them, and they out-executed their game plan better than we did. Yeah, I think that, I mean, this game, I don't want to say it meant more to them than it did to us, but I think they knew that this was probably their most important game of the season, especially after losing three straight and then heading into the playoffs with their division still still reachable as far as, what you know, uh, the division lead. You know, I, I think that this game had a little bit more meaning to them. Yeah, I agree. I, I um I know Colts were tough because of their run game and their defense. Uh, but I don't think the lions, they, they thought that they were going to get blown out by the lions. Uh, they, they may have been looking ahead since the Rams game to this, yeah. game, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. and kind of preparing for it. You know, you kind of put that extra scout on your division games. They seemed really prepared with a really good game plan set up for us. And I find it very hard to believe that they did that in one week. That's just my opinion. Yeah, the credit to Vance Joseph for his game plan yesterday. I'm about to get to that right now. So, Mike, what was the reason for the offense's drop-off? Uh, Vance Joseph, his game plan was excellent. I, I'm currently uh, finished writing an article. I want to go reread it one more time, edit it, and then I'm going to send it in. And part of it talks about how Vance Joseph won the battle with Dak Prescott uh, by playing that cover one and cover zero looks and putting everybody at the line so that at first you didn't know who was pass rushing. So you had to distinguish that, hey, you're blocking here, blocking here, watch this guy, watch this guy. And then on the hike, they, they would switch their coverage. So not only are you thinking, okay, did I, did I get the right people in the right spot when everybody's just basically standing up in the line 
But not only that, but then you have to go, all right, they're playing cover one. Oh, no, they just backed out. It's cover two. It's not man. It's a zone. You know, oh, this guy went out, you know, and 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 uh, having having being able to do that and not get cut up by it because we were one of the best teams versus the blitz going into that game and uh, teams had kind of stopped blitzing us completely. And Vance Joseph said, no, no, we blitz. That's what we do. And we're just going to come up with a game plan that works. And um, I want to see if we do get a rematch with them, if they attempt to do that again, mm-hmm. because I believe with tape, Dak would do a better job of anticipating it and, and, and the receivers would be ready for what to do. Like, Hey, if they do this, you do this. If, if they do this, you do that where they, they couldn't do that because they didn't have the tape on it yet. So uh, I want to see how they do, but uh, also credit Buda Baker. What a game he had. He he was everywhere, like putting everybody in position and, and especially in the coverages and running up to make it look like he was blitzing and then going back. And he, he was just spectacular. So I'm crediting Vance Joseph and Buda Baker mainly for why Dallas went from 56-14 to really couldn't do anything for three quarters. You know, it's it's impressive what Buda Baker has become as a player because he went from being like a, a someone, a sure tackler to being an elite defender. to now kind of being the, the captain on the field and knowing uh, kind of being the quarterback of the defense. Yeah. Knowing that TJ Watt and Buda Baker were picked not far after taco Charlton is pain. That's pain right there. Yeah. You know, back to the reason for the offense's drop off, Mike, again, bad penalties. We had 10 penalties for 88 yards. We were three for 11 on third downs. And out of our nine drives, we were uh, third and long in three of them. You know, that's a third of our drives. That, that's a lot to overcome. Mm-hmm. And, and on the other end, the defense did not play bad, but Arizona was able to hold the ball a lot against them. They were pretty good on third down. Our team was the best third down team in the league and Arizona found a way to uh to pick up third downs um and and control the clock i think they beat us in time of possession by like nine minutes uh 34 to 25 something like that so it was like i said the game plan was just great overall by arizona it was it was really well done and uh cowboys in the end couldn't do enough to overcome it you know, Mike, another big hit to our offense was the loss of Michael Gallup. You know, how, do, how does our overcome, how does our offense overcome that loss? Uh, it's nice to have Cedric Wilson and, and Malik Turner as guys to go in there. The one thing that, uh, that it does take away is kind of our deep threat guy. Now, we haven't been pushing the ball down the field at all. But if that was an aspect of the game that they wanted to get into in the playoffs, like uh, to get teams not anticipating that they're going to do that and then kind of attack them when we get to the playoffs in that way, that really takes a hit because Gallup's that guy. He's the go route guy. He's, he's better against press. He's better at breaking and getting away uh, on go routes. So it's a big loss, but all in all, we played most of the season without Gallup and we had a top five offense. So, you know, we have enough to overcome it if the the play caller and the quarterback uh, are doing what they need to do. Yeah, Mike, since his return from IR, here's, here are Gallup's numbers. Snaps, 448. Targets, 55. Receptions, 31. Receiving yards, 409. And TDs, 2. Cedric Wilson, snaps, 163. Targets, 28. Receptions, 21. Yards, 203. And touchdowns, 1. 
you know, with half the opportunities, Wilson has been almost equally productive. Uh, you know, I know our offense will take a hit, but I just, it's not as big of a hit as some might think. Like you said, we've been played a lot of the season without him and we've seen Wilson step up already. Yeah. He's comparable. He just does it different. He does. And, and the thing that's funny is he hits big plays, but, but in different ways, you know, he, he's not a go guy, but he's a seam route guy. And when he catches the ball in the seam, he's a pain in the ass to tackle. He he's, He's a punt returner for a reason. Like he he makes those type of plays. So he uh, he still can be a big play guy. He just does it a little differently than uh, than Gallup was. And of course he's not Gallup. You know right. I'm, we're not saying that. But with Amari Cooper and Lamb and Schultz and Jarwin headed back and the two backs we have, Cedric Wilson should be able to play in there. And and our offense should still be a top five unit. I'm excited to kind of see what Malik Turner could do with giving some extra opportunities as well. He's a damn good blocker. And, and he's, uh, I think he's took Noah Brown's spot. It, no, if, even if Noah Brown was available, uh, I think the offensive snaps will go to Malik Turner because they're both equal blockers. Malik Turner is a pretty damn good blocker, but he has the ability to make more plays in the passing game. Yeah. Mike, can you look at their projected prices? Is Cedric Wilson a better value than Michael Gallup? I'm I'm gonna go yes. I I think I don't think you could pay a wide receiver three the money that if a team wants Gallup. Now with this injury, who knows? But if a team like the Raiders, my friend Eric Rivera would like them to get Michael Gallup as their second guy, he's probably gonna have to pay between 12 and 15. Even with the injury, if you really want to get him on a long-term thing, mm-hmm. um, I don't think another team's gonna come in and just give him a one-year, you know, $10 million deal. I think I think Dallas would do something uh, in that range. But if a team wants to get them and give them the 12 to 15 million, uh, I think that's too much to pay a wide receiver three. And I think he's clearly our wide receiver three going in the next year, no matter what, mm-hmm. where I can get a Cedric Wilson. We've seen the offense, a top five offense, and he's not going to get 6 million a year. I mean, even if a team really, really wants him for his trick playability and his punt returning and his gunning and he could be your third wide. I just don't see him getting, you know, six million a year for three, four years. I, I think Dallas get him on a two-year, you know, eight to twelve million, depending on how he finishes out the season. And I think that's a great value. If if you improve your third wide, that's great. But if you go into the year with uh, your third wide as Cedric Wilson, I think you're doing fine. Yeah, Michael, I was looking at Spotrack earlier, and according to them, they think Gallup is projected to earn eleven point seven million, and right. Cedric Wilson is projected to earn six million. You know, so what we say by signing Wilson instead of Gallup, I think, could be used on Gregory and Kirsch. So, you know, I'd, I'd rather have Wilson. Yeah, the the extra six million would be Kirsch. It ain't it ain't gonna get you to Gregory. Gregory's gonna get paid. Gregory's going to get you. You're going to have to pay Gregory. You, you likely are looking at 15 million, uh, 15 to 18 million uh, to, to get him away. Now, maybe he gives us a discount. Maybe for us, he says, let's do 12 for three years, you know, or something. But I think another team to get him will give him 15 to 18 million because he's you just pass rush is hard to find and he's still young. And uh, if we don't get a discount for him, we're going to have to match that. So we'll see what happens. When you look at Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson, you know, how they're used in our offense, do you think that Wilson is a better fit? No, no. But Gallup needs to be an X receiver, in my opinion. 
Cooper doesn't do well as an X that, that can get up on the line and get bumped. I like him having a little space and, uh, and ability to, to get his route running uh, set up as a, as the, uh, as the second outside wide where Michael Gallup on the line. I mean, he just, he, he has the ability to be a, a Jamar chase light Jamar chase does other stuff, but if you watch his go routes, he just, he, if you go one oh he killed Traverius Ward all day yesterday. I was on Twitter going, how are you lining this guy up one-on-one like that? And we've seen Michael Gallup beat Ramsey a few times in one-on-one man coverage, just beat him straight up, blow him out of the water on a nine route. Uh, and they, you know, they called the bogus pass interference last year, but he has the ability to beat the best corners in the league one-on-one on the outside, you know, I don't, I don't think he does the underneath stuff as well as that, that's why he's a wide receiver three or a wide receiver two. Uh, but that ability is missing from our offense. And even with Gallup in the few games he was in, we barely used it. You know, we didn't really, we don't take shots deep. Um, I don't know why when you have that group of receivers, especially with him on the outside, getting one-on-one coverage so much, but I would take him. It's, like I said, Cedric Wilson's fine and, and he fits. I just don't, there's an element this offense needs from Michael Gallup or whoever comes in. That's why I think Simi Fihoku was drafted. If you look mm-hmm. at what he does, big dude, great speed, learn the go route and, and you're going to get one on cut one-on-one coverage because of all the, the stuff we have going on underneath. So yeah, I, I think, I think Gallup is more of a need but I don't have an issue. Cedric Wilson's used a different way and it still works. It's just, he's used like lamb is used, but lamb's better at it. So it's like having two of the same person, one being elite at what he does and one being above average at it. Hey, you know, your, your last comment made me feel better because I feel like what Gallup can do, lamb can do, like you just said. So based on what I've seen this year, I feel like Wilson is a better fit. However, if Gallup was used like he is being used now, in addition to the way he was used against Philly last year, give me Gallup all day of the week, every day of the week, excuse me. Yeah, I would too. I, I just like his his ability to get deep on man on man coverage, especially press man. And we we got to start doing that. Like if Lamb can do it, then they need to get him out there and, and start having him beat that press man outside and, and get deep and take some shots because – uh, maybe we won't get the calls. That's another thing in my article. It, it, it talks about the refs, uh, in the season and, and especially, uh, as it turns to this game and how upset the team was about it. Um, but start attacking it then. Like, like if you're so worried about the calls, make them make some calls. And I know, believe me, I know how frustrated the defensive line is. Randy Gregory, straight out said like we play against the refs every week like it's we play we have to play their offensive line and the referees basically Gregory said and uh and and they don't get holding calls like they should especially on the other end when on a, on our third down you know uh play where where we make a first down and they call a hold and take us back and you're like you know it kills your drive and we don't get those calls on the other end but offensively, that's where your star power is, and you need to start attacking it and making refs make calls. At least, at least give them a chance to make calls. We don't even take the opportunities deep to get the chance at calls. Yeah, 
you know, while, while we're discussing the receivers, Mike, do you think that our receivers are being underutilized in this offense run by Cullen Moore? Well, clearly. I mean, why Devontae Adams is the only real true receiver in Green Bay that scares anybody. Like, like I'm sorry, but the the our the the other guys just Lazards and aren't are are great because of the way they get coverage because of Adams and their great quarterback, but they wouldn't even be on our like they would be like Cedric Wilson, Malik Turner. Like they'd battle with them for for a chance to play. That that's mm-hmm. what they have. So how come uh Cooper Cup and and Devontae Adams get the ball all the time? Don't teams want to take them away? Why is it that that our guys are so easily taken away because they don't take shots? They don't, you know, if you leave Devontae Adams one-on-one, like they leave uh, Cooper or Lamb on plays, just one up, we're going to press man you one-on-one. We don't think you'll take the shot, and we don't. And so they're able to play it that way. If you do that with Devontae Adams or, or Cooper Cup, they'll annihilate you. And so uh, maybe maybe the OC doesn't have uh, – I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe the OC doesn't have confidence in his quarterback right now. Really? Ooh, that's a hot take. TV hot take. You know, our, our guy Brian Broaddus, he said earlier on the radio today, he thinks that because of how much a perfectionist that Dak Prescott is, that sometimes he's doing too much at the line and he's wanting to see the per- call the perfect play. And maybe that could have been an issue yesterday. Absolutely. That, that he was, he was making a lot of calls and, and, and Arizona did a good job of making him like they kept feigning blitzes, getting him to change the play switching. It was, it was one of the best game plans I ever seen. And, uh, and, and they locked us up for three quarters with it. You know, my, uh, my father-in-law, he referred to that defense as the umbrella coverage, what Arizona was doing. Yeah, they would go back and make you throw underneath. The, the umbrella was in the secondary. But what they did is they would show cover one or even cover zero sometimes and just bring everybody within like five bucks of, except for people playing man-to-man, man-to-man, it looked, you know, coverage. And then they would, they would faint blitzes and get Dak to change the play. And then right before the hike, they would all go into a different coverage. You know, they would, they would switch different people would come. They would fall a safety back, you know, a corner that looked like he was in man would back up and right into zone. Like they just did a great job of, of fooling the quarterback and the offensive coordinator and the quarterback didn't make good adjustments to it. You know, back to your previous comment about Kellen, maybe not having a lot of confidence in Dak. Why do you think that is, is that something you worry about? That was a hot take. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I just don't think he calls plays like that he's a he's a uh he's a drive the ball person he's just not an oc that that runs a lot of nine routes and to be honest Dak prescott likes to throw to more open people so he's not a 50 50 ball guy unless he has to be and uh and so he doesn't take those shots like uh, aaron Rodgers might uh in one-on-one coverage and that's part of it it's not i wasn't just uh saying kellen moore doesn't call plays I'm saying Dak needs to unload it and see if we can get a penalty. You know, uh, the Raider game, Derek Carr was just out start almost every game since the Raider game, third down and long, just throw us throw up to Anthony Brown and see mm-hmm. if the refs will call a penalty on it. It happens all the time in the games. So is that one element to your game that you're hoping to see more from Dak instead of him 
needing to see somebody open that he'll throw somebody open? Or you're hoping that that's something he'll work on in the future? It, it's just weird because in 2019, he did it I mean, they were going deep all day. Mm-hmm. And maybe they saw that, you know, maybe teams have figured out if you show uh, the two shell coverage that Dak just won't attempt it, you know, no matter what, you know. So because last year they, teams weren't doing that. Teams were trying to stop the run. They were uh, they were playing more in uh, up close, like cover ones where a guy was free to kind of move around. And Dak was attacking the one high safety when there's two high safeties. He doesn't really throw uh deep there and that's one thing that i think they have to adjust that that's and that's partly kellen moore he needs to come up with a game plan that attacks that maybe gets better at attacking the middle of the field in the two shell you know you have blake jarwin you know throw it up in the seam and see what happens so you know i uh uh, i'm interested to see how they adjust to that looking at the game yesterday does this show that the cowboys were weren't holding stuff back in past losses and are just not winning these games. No, no, they were definitely look, not only, not only did, did, did I, I was the first to say this, by the way, I was getting killed for it. Like it just looks so vanilla. And then if you look like uh, uh, people have talked about, they, they, they talked to Kellen Moore and Kellen Moore tried to hint, try and kind of hinted towards, you can't give everything away. If you ask Jerry, Jerry Jones said in an interview that, uh, that they're uh, they're keeping some plays that they had set, you know, and they're 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 keeping them uh, uh, for later on in in the in the bigger games. Um, Amari even came out and was like, "We have cover two busters. We're just not running them, you know." So they clearly were holding. They're holding some plays back. Um, they hardly ever run wide. They've done it very limited since the uh, since uh, Dak came back from injury. When Connor McGovern was in, they basically never ran wide. And then they did it last game against Washington. And they did it pretty well the game before, limited. And then this game with Connor Williams and against Arizona, they just never run it and ran it. So, you know, it it it's I believe that this game they just got beat. They weren't playing vanilla. They played all out and and Arizona had a better game plan and, and played better. But the last weeks before that, if you listen to interviews. The players, the coaches, the owner all were like, no, we are holding stuff back. You know, it just, it, it is what it is. You don't, you can't show everything, especially when your division's basically in hand. You knew you were going to the playoffs. Your division stunk. You know, Mike, I don't know really what to make of this game. I think we just ran into a team with its back against the ropes, knowing they needed a win, and they were benefited by by some calls along the way, not taking anything away from Arizona because they are a good team. But back to the, you know, holding things back, with as good as we've seen the Dallas offense be, as, as good as we know they are, I don't understand how, you know, I know you want to save some plays and some looks and everything, but we, we've seen them be downright dominant. And I don't know, understand why we can't just kind of find a way to like, like how we looked in the fourth quarter, why we weren't able to do that, you know, more than just in the fourth quarter, I guess. Well, I went through in the fourth quarter and they stopped running those fronts. Like in the, from the last drive of the third on when uh, Dak was at the time, this is from my article, Dak was 14 to 26 for 138 yards and a touchdown. Our team had uh, seven points. Uh, we're top three in points, pass yards, and total yards. And we had seven points, 187 
total yards and 149 pass yards through, I think there was like two minutes left in the third quarter when we got the ball for the last drive of the third quarter where we got at like the 30 yard line, you know, we were right there to score. And, uh, and, you know, Arizona was up 22 seven and just kind of stopped running those multiple fronts. And they might've thought like, Hey, we might play these guys in two weeks. Let's stop showing them everything. You know, we don't think they can come back all the way. And, uh, and they just didn't run those run those cover one, cover zero fronts anymore where they brought everyone standing up to the line. They did a, a four-man look almost every down, and then they would bring blitzes from linebackers or safeties or whatever, but they ran they, – they made it look more vanilla than normal, and that's when we started uh, to carve them up a little bit. You know, you, you blitz from the vanilla, and we're one of the best teams in, it, in, in the league at, at attacking it. So we almost were able to come back, but – the reason that it looked better in the fourth quarter is because Vance Joseph stopped running that that uh, cover run cover one front where they brought everybody up at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so you, yeah, I imagine that he's probably saving a few things for the playoffs as well. But uh, you know, I wonder was he did he decide to go away from that just because he didn't want to give them anything more for a potential rematch in the playoffs? I think that's part of it. Also, if you beat that coverage, if Dak figures it out and you hit a big play, now you've cut down, you've, you've cut the lead and, uh, and done it in a very short time. Where I think what they were saying is the way we're able to hold the ball pretty well on offense, uh, and, and if we make them methodically drive, they won't have enough time to come back all the way from uh, 22 seven and then uh, what was it 25 14 or whatever so I think that was the thought process a mix of don't show too much now that we've that we've got the big lead and make them work their way down the field don't allow a big play you know a common theme with this offense is that when the run game isn't going our our offense often sputters is our offense too reliant on the run game do you think it's, it's, you know what it is, is they want to, they want to play what's given them. And what yeah. teams are saying is we're not going to give you the deep pass. You want to run it. That's fine. We'll try to stop you on third down. And eventually you'll get a hold call. Eventually you'll drop a pass. Eventually Dak will miss a throw. Eventually something on the drive will mess up and you guys won't go all the way down the field. And we run really inefficiently with Zeke. Uh, so <clears throat> when Zeke's in the game, teams are like, okay, we're going to back off. If you want to try and run, that's fine. We'll give you your three yards. We'll get you to second and seven, you know, and, and then we'll go from there and see if we can get you to third down and then get you off the field. So I, I don't know if they're reliant on the run game. I think they, um, they haven't adjusted to the fact that they're not being successful just because a team plays two shell and it opens up your run and you should be able to run doesn't mean it's going to work. Like you have to block it up. Schultz has to block Chandler Jones. If you're going to make that play like that, he has to do enough to where Chandler Jones can't hit Zeke two yards in the backfield. And, and he didn't, you know, that was the block that had to be made. If it was, if he held them off for a second, Zeke gets a good game. He doesn't two yard loss. So just because the box tells you, Oh, this is a favorable run matchup. If you can't run efficiently, you're screwing your team over. And then they teams get into to third and long and they go eight men back, send three, 
They know eventually because the offensive line's not doing well that they'll still get pressure with three rushers and they could have eight people in the box working the first down. So uh, that's pretty much the game plan that was implemented from Bill Belichick on. And, uh, and they were able to beat Bill Belichick in it, but teams have, you know, put in wrinkles or done whatever they've done to that game plan. And uh, we just haven't been as successful week in and week out against it. Well, you know, Mike, obviously staying behind the chains is never good, but you know, having to convert long third downs regularly is never good. I don't think our offense is too reliant on the run game, but, but when we're not running the ball well, our offense never gets into a flow. And what worries me is that with the receivers we have, you know, our pass offense, you know, doesn't really step up. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 it's the thing is, is it's, is it's expectation. So we expect the pass offense to be great. So when it's only good, we blame it, even though the run game was bad because we expect a bad run game. Mm -hmm. So really the run game is the problem that to be clear, the run game is the problem with the offense, but the pass game is sets up such high expectations that only being good is seen as they didn't have a good game. They're bad because we've set the expectation of bad run game, great pass game. I won't lie. It was hard to watch the Cowboys game after watching Kansas city and Cincinnati yesterday. Yeah, man. I, I was Kansas city and Cincinnati in the morning. It was the nooner. Yeah. Okay. See, I had it at, at, on the red zone channel and I saw a lot of it, but I was, uh, I don't remember what I was doing. What the hell was I doing? I was doing something in that time too, that kept me from just concentrating on uh, the red zone channel and the games. I was kind of like getting stuff set up, getting ready for the, for the Cowboys game. And so uh, I don't remember what I was doing, but I was distracted in the morning games. I had them on, I knew the scores, but I wasn't focused in on them. You missed a good one, man. It was, it was uh, one of the better games of the year. That Burrow kid is going to be good. It's that, that'll be the next better than Dak. It was Justin Herbert earlier this year. And then Justin Herbert kind of, you know, he's young. So he had his ups and downs. So now people are like, well, you know, he's, he's playing like Dak and he's younger. Well, now it's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow will be the next one. That's like, this guy's so much better than Dak, you know, and, and, and he might be, he's really damn good. And he's got a really good offense. So going to next year, Joe Burrow might end up being better than, uh, Dak Prescott, but I'm not going to give it to him yet. A Dak in his games where he was good was better than Burrow in his games where he was good. And both of them have been inconsistent all year. So uh, I'm still going to give Dak the nod there for this season. Remember when Baker Mayfield was better than Dak? Remember when Sam Darnold was? Oh, God. Greeny after Jets beat us. Sam Darnold's better than Dak Prescott. I'm like, bro, just chill out. So we talked about the offense being too reliant on the run game. Is our defense too reliant on turnovers? I'm going to go no, because they didn't get any of this lat. Well, they did, but they didn't get it called a turnover. They didn't get any turnovers this game. And I didn't think they played bad considering how tough it is to play Kyler Murray. Um, I thought it took them a while to adjust to, they came out not, the turnovers weren't a problem. They came out not aggressive because they were afraid of Kyler Murray running straight up. I'm just going to be honest. If you look, they had three QB hits for the game. Uh, You know, they just, they didn't send people like they normally do. And I thought they'd really aggressively pass rush 
and then keep Micah Parsons or Wilson as a spy. And uh, I only saw one or two plays, and they did that. And one of them, they they rushed aggressively. Wilson uh, QB spied and stopped uh, Kyler for a very short gain. And they just didn't implement that a lot. And I, I just think they put – they thought no DeAndre Hopkins. They're not worried about that. They shut down the run game pretty well after the first drive up the middle. Um, they, they were beat by Kyler runs more. But they were so scared of him scrambling – on uh, on plays that were not designed runs that they got they they didn't play cow like cowboys play to their strengths so i don't play, think they played bad i think they could beat teams when they don't get turnovers i think they're elite when they get turnovers but they're still good when they don't they're not they don't they don't go from they're this terrible team they're not dallas last year at the end of the year where they're absolutely terrible but then they were getting four turnovers a game so it was like well, this isn't bad, you know, that, that at least they're getting some turnovers. They're a really good defense. And then when they get turnovers, they're elite. They're a top five unit. So I still, I don't think they're reliant on them. I think that's a little too far. No, I don't think we are either, but am I wrong to feel like our we're too reliant on our pass rush? Yeah, that they are. That they are reliant. Their DVs aren't. Trayvon Diggs is, is a good corner. He could shut people down. He gets beat every once in a while. He got beat once or twice last game. But most corners are like that. No big deal. Um, especially how young he is, you know. He, he's going to build into a really, really good one. Uh, but the rest of them are just average. Like, uh, Anthony Brown's fine. He's an average corner. That's what you want for a cornerback, too. But if your pass rush isn't getting there, you see what happens. He can get picked on. Jordan Lewis, picked on. Uh, I like the safeties, but they're not, you know, you have the two that are more linebackers and then Hooker and Casey are, are more uh, over the top, you know, turnover guys than they are get you in coverage and single you up one-on-one. So yeah, if the pass rush isn't going, it's, it's an issue for the defense. Well, speaking of pass rush, what happened to the Cowboys pass rush yesterday? Like I said, I'll reiterate fear of Kyler Murray running. That's all it was. They lost their aggressiveness because they were worried about his mobility. You know, I think Quinn played it safe trying to contain Murray. And we saw quite a bit of our defensive linemen over pursue and miss tackles in the backfield. Misdirection played a, a big factor yesterday. There were some times where it looked like we had a tackle. You know, there was a juke or Chase Edmonds had some plays where he misdirected and was able to get out of uh, avoid a, a tackle for loss and things like that. It was it would kind of remind me of the Jason Garrett days a little bit. It would be nice if they would get a hold call. Like I'm saving the ref blame for more for my article. Cause I have a whole section on the refs in that, in that article, but it, it's like, they just don't get hold. They're hold all the time. I remember on, on their touchdown drive, Arizona, it was third and eight on the 11 yard line and tank comes screaming around the corner and Josh Jones just grabs him. I mean, he just grabs his shoulder pad. The refs, the ref was looking at Kyler Murray and Tank was trying to get his attention as he's coming around like, hey. And, uh, and uh, you know, Kyler was able to get out of the pocket, throw it to Chase Edmonds. He got a first down and uh, it ended up going for a touchdown on that drive. And you think at the time of the play, the ball's on the 20-yard line. You're like, okay, you know, they got they got one, but Dallas will stop them. Then they go down, they do the fake punt, and then they go all the way down and get the touchdown. And if you go back and get that holding call, 
you know, and, and they have to go third and from the five yard line, five and a half yard line, third and a, another five yards. Now you're talking, a, uh, you know, you can get a stop right there and it's three nothing and they're punting from their end zone. So those calls make a difference. So while, you know, I, I do want to say they, they had less aggressiveness clearly because of Kyler. This is a season long thing. Randy Gregory, Tank Lawrence, since he's been back, and Michael Parsons are just held constantly. And you don't have to call it every time. You can call holding every play. But every time we're in a drive, especially this last one, it seems there's a holding call that kills our team's momentum. But the other way, we can't get that same hold that would that would have – I mean, what a momentum killer for them to go from a third and eight pickup to a hold their back – uh, inside the five yard line, you know, that's a big difference that they're punting inside their, their five yard line. And we have a chance to get that kind of field position. It's only three, nothing. It's a game changer that early in the game. That's a game changer. Absolutely. But going into the playoffs, what worries you most, the kicking game, the Cowboys defense without turnovers, Dak Prescott, or is it a different reason? What is it? And why I'm going other and mine is the running game. It, okay. it really bothers me because if they can't run against these these two deep uh, uh, coverages against that where they're basically telling you please run, if they can't do that, I don't know how they how they how how they can get consistent drives because you're asking Dak Prescott to be perfect, and you know we've seen Mahomes like one of the best. Super Bowl MVP, MVP, been to two straight Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. When his O-line was having trouble and his defense was bad, he looked mediocre. He was having two turnovers a game, and, and they were playing that two-shell on him. And then they took the OC and the and the head coach and him went in, and they made the adjustments, and now they've, they've played better against the two-shell, and they've really killed the single high uh, when they played the Raiders and that. But – if, if you can't make adjustments and run the ball against those boxes, when teams are basically saying, go ahead, go ahead and run. It was uh, uh, Thurman Thomas versus the giants in the super bowl where, uh, where Bill Parcells told Bill Belichick, just let Thurman Thomas run, just let him run, do a stop their pass. We'll live with their run. And uh, if you can't effectively counter that with a great running game, you're not going to do well in the playoffs. You know, our offense getting behind early is my main concern. I will note, though, that we are one and three in games where our defense does not get a turnover. And I don't know how how sticky that stat is, if you will. I mean, because our defense has improved quite a bit as the season has progressed. And I think one of the one of those losses um, was against Tampa Bay early in the year. And then, of course, you know, we know what happened on Thanksgiving and everything. But um you know, our, I, I'm, I'm worried about our defense having to, or excuse me, our offense having to play catch up. The three losses with the, out the turnovers, I believe, was um, Arizona. Uh, I want to say Denver. Yeah, Denver. And uh, and Ray, they didn't because Diggs. Was it Kansas City? Off. Yeah, it might have been. I know Diggs picked off Brady. So they got it. Yeah, that's right. That game because that's he had right. a streak going. But uh, uh, did they get a turmoil on Thanksgiving? That's the one I don't remember. Um, 
I thought they did, but I could be wrong. I'm trying to remember what which game did we win that we didn't get a turnover. Oh, that's a good question. We turned over New England. We we also we turned over the Chargers. Did we turn? Oh yeah, we had to. Oh yeah, yeah, we had to the first like six seven games because yeah, uh, uh, was it the Vikings? Oh, Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was, right? Yep, Vikings with Cooper Rush. That was a, see, that was a great defensive game without a turnover, and that that was a great defensive game. Yeah, but looking at the state of the Vikings now, was that just are they just a bad team? No, because they they beat some good teams. They they um they they probably have kind of moved on from Mike Zimmer. I think they need a new head coach, and they they probably needed a new quarterback. But their quarterback's thirty five million guaranteed next year, so they're going to be hurting. What does this loss mean for the Cowboys' playoff chances, Mike? I don't like their chances going to Green Bay. So you, we may need an upset there, especially off their bye. I should, I should emphasize that. If there is a way that one of the lower seeds upsets Tampa or the Rams uh, or um, who's the other team? Tampa Rams. Oh, that's it, us. If they can get an upset of one of those, and we can avoid Green Bay in the second round, I think we'd have an okay chance against them in the conference title because it would be real like, okay, this is it. This is the guy you haven't gotten by. You're finally in the title game. Like, this is the one. And you'd have the confidence of winning two, two playoff games. That's the, the, the team that scares me is Green Bay in Green Bay, the cold. We don't play good and uh, well against cold and coming off a of bye week. So, if we can avoid Green Bay or at least avoid them in the second round coming off their bye, I still like us versus most matchups. I, I, Stafford doesn't scare me. Brady, honestly, with, uh, with the guys he has out and our pass rush, doesn't scare me. Um, I don't think Arizona will be able to fool us with that defensive play, game plan again. I think the, uh, the team, the wide receivers, and the quarterback would work on the adjustments in play. Hey, if they do this, you run this. If they do this, you run this. And they'll be more ready for that and they would do well. So the team that worries me is Green Bay. Now, if they got to, if they win and everybody wins regular and they got to play Green Bay off the bye in Green Bay the second round, I, I wouldn't pick them to win. I think they'd lose. Yeah, just like you, Mike, the only team I'm really worried about in the playoffs is, is Green Bay. And it's not so much the team, it's playing at Lambeau Field in that cold weather. Yeah, I agree. They're, the offense is not good in cold weather. The refs have been very bad to us per usual. It's so funny that the team with the two most penalties in the league are the Raiders and Dallas. And it's like, what team went after the league? Let me, oh, yeah, Al Davis <laughs> and Curry Jones, you know? So that's a, just a coincidence, those guys. Another hot take. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Green Bay in the cold off a of bye with the kind of refing that they get compared to the refing we get, that is a tall ask for us to win that game. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he's been known to get quite a few calls, right? Nah, no way. Never heard of that. Him and him and Brady probably get the least amount of calls by far. Again, with the sarcasm, it almost it almost fooled me, Mike. <laughs> I play so it was, well. <laughs> who was worse, Dak, the defense, or the refs yesterday? Okay, so I want to give – worse is hard because Dak ended with 236 and, and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns and the yeah. one fumble turnover. 
Him being fooled for three quarters, though, hurt us a lot. But I, I, I'm not going to give him worse. The refs were bad. Yeah. Like, you can't – you missed that fumble at the end of the game. Now, I was one of the first ones to complain on Twitter when it happened. Why are you calling a timeout after Arizona got the first down? It made no sense to me before the two-minute warning. They called both their timeouts on plays after Cardinals got a first down. I hated that. And they ran out of timeouts and couldn't challenge. Uh, now, the office, the league office can look and go, hey, this was the wrong call. Even when it isn't challenged, they have somebody in the booth. But lo and behold, no no shit, a Dallas game, no surprise, they didn't. But um, the refs just were inconsistent. I mean, they they would they would call penalties to kill our drives, even though the, 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 the penalties were legit. Like somebody goes, hey, the calls were legit. That wasn't my point. You know, the, the pass interference on Nation Wright, that was a catch anyway. He didn't look for the ball. He didn't really touch the guy, but he was going like this, didn't look for the ball. So they called the penalty. Well, the later on in the game, uh, Amari Cooper is running down the sidelines, is being held. The guy doesn't look for the ball. The ball goes by him. He can't, no flag. The yeah. very next play or the or two plays later, Gallup tears his ACL making a catch. Now, if they'd have called a penalty, he'd have been on the one-yard line. That that wouldn't have happened. Not that the refs called caused an injury. It could have happened at any time. But that's the ramifications of being inconsistent at your job. And they're terribly inconsistent. And it just Randy Gregory said it per Dak and Randy Gregory both talked about, it. they both said it just seems like all the, 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 the big like momentum calls always go against us, you know, and that's your quarterback and your, and your, one of your main defensive players saying it. And your head coach even said the timing of the calls were more the issue than the calls themselves. The mm-hmm. timing made it hard for them to get in rhythm. So it was just, is hard. It was a tough, uh, it was a tough game. The refs were very bad. So I'm going to put the refs as the top problem. Yeah, and anytime Dak is complaining about, you know, <clears throat> the refs, he's a guy who doesn't make excuses for anybody, especially himself. So when he says something like that, then, you know, he, it's it's best to pay attention. He straight said, he goes, he goes, he's always, like you said, he's diplomatic. So the way he said it was brilliant. He said that we'll go against our opponent or any other team we have to deal with basically saying the refs. And then he said, but what we need to do is not put ourselves in those situations. We need to play better so that we're not in those situations where the refs can be involved in the game. So he was much more diplomatic than, than Randy Gregory just going like they fuck us every week. It's not, not (laughs) Randy Gregory basically was like, this is every week we got to play against the refs and uh, CD lamb, the refs didn't let us get into rhythm. Like down the line, everybody was like, the refs were basically bullshit, you know? And so yeah, it is what it is. They were shitty. Mike with the colorful language today. A little bit. We lost, man. Don't I get a little F's and S's? Absolutely. Hey, you know, you're actually, um, I'm giving you a hard time now, but you really don't cuss very much, even pre-roll. I cuss so much too. I try to, I try to tone it down, you know, for the show, but I'm, I'm a sailor cusser. I cuss all the time. So it's, it's bad. I try to do it around kids and, and at Disneyland and on the show and stuff. I try not to break it out too much. I hear you. Well, you know, uh, back to the question who was worse, Dak, the defense or the refs, you know, Dak was really bad for three quarters and it wasn't, I mean, just some of his, his throws that were so off, 
inaccurate it was like what's going on well you know what is he uh just inside his own head like what was he nervous does he not is he back to not trusting his offensive line all those things you know come up but the the refs called a bad game and, and their missed calls were even worse like you said being inconsistent you know for a home game it seemed like the refs were, were not on our side so you know i'm going with the refs as well yeah we have three this is marcus Mosier tweet we have three home games where we have over 80 yards and penalties. Nobody else has that in the league. Mm, the only that's team ridiculous, also. dude. We don't have a home field advantage when it comes to penalties. Mike, did Greg Zerline cost us that game? No, he made it worse. Make your fucking easy uh, – see, damn, I am mad today. You shouldn't have said that. Greg Zerline is a fuckface asshole. <laughs> Thanks for the show title. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. See, I caught myself on that one. Uh, yeah, he didn't cost us the game. He made it harder. Like, obviously, if you kick the field goal, Arizona has to score on their last drive. Now, they were in position to score, and their kicker had and missed the whole game. So, I don't think he cost us the game, but he definitely made it harder. Like, you got to make those. It's It's – I've defended him. I've defended the special teams coach on the block stuff. I defended Zerline because he's made the clutch kicks. But a yeah. kick like that, when when you can tell the type of game it is, it just – and it's funny, because of the type of game it was, almost everybody was like, you know he's going to miss this kick. Like on Twitter, everything, we're, you know he's going to miss the kick. You know that was going through everyone's mind, just the way the game was going. Well, he's going to miss this frigging kick. So, no, he didn't cost us the game, but he, he hurt us. You know, technically his missed field goal was the difference maker, but a missed INT, Dax fumble, three bad quarters by the offense. Of course, we've talked enough about the refs, but, you know, that, that's what cost us the game. It was a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of, a lot of things just not going our way. Not, not that kick alone, but, you know, that added to it. I agree 100%. Yeah, are the Cowboys real Super Bowl contenders or frauds winning a poor division? I don't know. I don't know. That's the honest answer. If they, I'll say this, if they go in and beat Arizona like I think they will, and then they go into Green Bay and lose, I'll say they were Super Bowl contenders. They just ran into Green Bay off a of bye week, the MVP, you know, a team that's lost two games at home in like three seasons or whatever. They're like ridiculous. I won't, I won't say they're not contenders. If they go in and lose to Arizona or the Rams in the, in the uh, first round, then they're pretenders. They shouldn't. Their team's good enough to beat Arizona or the Rams in a, in a playoff game at home or, or Saints or Niners or, or Eagles, whoever they ended up matching up against. They should beat that team, and they'd be frauds if they're not. If they go up and lose to Green Bay afterwards, then I won't, then I won't call them frauds. No, I agree, Mike. I think we're contenders all season. The only thing that regularly beats us is ourselves in bad calls. But when you have the number one offense and a top 10 defense that's number one in takeaways, you're a contender. I agree. I 100%. Your defense alone makes you a contender, mm-hmm. let alone the fact that you have, for the season, you have a top three offense. So, yeah, I think they're contenders. They just they got to learn to win these, these, we're going to get right into it. Now you got to learn to win these big games more consistently. We'll get into it. Mike, are you concerned that this team doesn't perform in big moments? I'm not, I'm not because I think we have revisionist history. Um, if you go back to the times that stuff happened, Carolina was three and zero. 
I was told, I told people this is a trap game. What I was told in response was, how could it be a trap game? They're 3-0 and with the number one defense, yada, 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 both these teams, this and that. Then we beat them. They go on a slide and, uh, and, and you know, uh, it's Carolina meant nothing. Well, what happened? Then it would have been a trap game, right? If we go back right now and we lost that game, will we not in back going back in time go down? That was a trap game playing between the two division games. And we lost to Carolina. We should have beat them, you know. But at the time, they were three and zero with the number one defense. Then you go to New England at New England, you know, tough game. We beat them. Oh, it's rookie quarterback. It's this and that. It's you know forget that you beat Bill Belichick in New England and, and broke records. No other team or quarterback had against him in his career, in his career at New England. And so, you know, they go in and then, and then New England goes on this big run of games. And then you look back and you go, okay, you, you beat a 10 win game team in their house. Does that not, that doesn't count then that it doesn't count a 10 win team playoff mm-hmm. team in their house well at the time they were one and three at home we were blah 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 how about washington washington stinks right they're terrible that wasn't a good win the first game they had won four straight we had lost three out of the last five they were yelling we want dallas they had beat tampa bay the super bowl champs healthy tampa bay mind you like their guys weren't out at that time i think maybe antonio brown was but Godwin was there and Evans was there and Fournette and Gronk and everybody and Washington beat them. They got the pass rush. They were, if they won that game, they would have been one game back of the division and playing us in two weeks. And we beat them and we're up 24, nothing, but we're no good in big moments because Washington ended up sucking after that. And then we killed them 56, 14, but go back and watch the Emmanuel Acho clip about playing Washington. Oh, I'd be worried if I was Dallas, yada, yada. Then you beat them. Then the media becomes, well, Taylor Heineke. So it all depends. Like like we we played Tampa, played them all the way to where Brady had to beat us right at the end. All right, couldn't win in that big moment. But you did win New England at overtime. You did hold on to beat Washington, you know. Then you uh, then you lose this one. To, oh, see, it was their next big game. They lost again. So I just think it's overblown. You know, this is such a big team. It's like Lakers and, and Yankees and stuff. Every game has to be overanalyzed going in and over-exaggerated results, uh, reactions going out. So, yeah, they've won plenty of games this year in big moments, and they've lost some. And guess what? A lot of teams have done that. Go to every team but maybe Green Bay. And they've all lost games in big moments and won games in big moments. You know, Mike, I'm getting slightly more concerned. Not that your moments that you mentioned weren't big moments, but for me, it's week one, Thursday night football. We lost a close game. Kansas City on the road. We know what team, what kind of team they are. We lost. Thanksgiving in our house. We know the injuries we dealt with with the COVID stuff, the players we were missing. We lost that one. I mean, and this week we're, we're all big moments and our team didn't step up to the challenge. But why is, let me ask you this. Why is the Raiders game a bigger moment than Chargers week two? We're 0-1. We're going on the road again. You don't want to go 0-2 and you step up and you win at Chargers or New England's game, you know, or Carolina who was 3-0 when we were playing them. 
and we're playing for the lead. Uh, uh, you know, both of us are playing to uh, to stay up in, in top seedings in the mm-hmm. NFC. Why is the Raiders – I just feel like because we lost, we kind of go, oh, see, this was that big game. We lost it again. But when we win, we find a way to go, well, maybe this wasn't as big as we – this wasn't really a big moment now that mm-hmm. I look back at it. But in the game, Carolina was a big game. Chargers was a big game. New England was a big game. Uh, uh, Minnesota. Washington was a big game. Minnesota without Dak Prescott was a big game. So I just feel like, like it, it's they lost a lot of big games to the exact ones you said because it is Thanksgiving and you're coming off a loss. So it is a big game and they lost it again. So they lost some and they won some. I just don't see it different than anybody else in the league this year. I guess what do you think about it? It's week one against the the Super Bowl champions. Of course, I mean, not a lot of people thought we were going to win that game. And a lot of Cowboys fans were actually pretty impressed with how we performed and, you know, how close that game was. I know that you and I were, yeah. uh, especially given the fact that Dak Prescott had missed so much time in the offseason. And then as far as the uh, Oakland Raiders game, at least for me, is I believe heading into that, that game, weren't they on a, a two or three game losing streak? Might have been. We've had that a couple times where Raiders, now Cardinals, we, we've had teams that we've they've caught, but people forget those teams are more desperate. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. They, they try, they try more uh crazier things. That's why um as far as Arizona goes in two weeks, I'm I'm not scared to play them again. Our defense no. looked good against them. Uh uh, you know, they could play better, they can get a turnover or two. But they play good against them, and I think our offense would have the take to go, oh, okay, well, hey, receivers, if they do this, we're going to do this to counter. If they do this, we're going to do this, and they'll be ready for it more. I think maybe why I, I view those moments maybe as bigger as the ones that you mentioned is just because we're what time, what year, what part of the season they took place. It's a very fair I'm not saying that they haven't blown big moments. I'm saying that when they do win in big moments, it gets pushed aside as well. Was that really a big moment? Let's Mm -hmm. see what happens in this big moment. Then we'll know for sure. And if they don't win that one, then it becomes, yeah, see that other moment wasn't that big. This was the big moment. You know, I just think it's, it's more that than, Hey, they never win in big moments. Well, Mike, has Dak shown you enough this season to make you feel that he can win a playoff game by himself? No, because no team can. No, look at Mahomes, everyone's golden child. The beginning of the year, his defense sucked. He couldn't block. His offensive line couldn't block. What did he do? He had Hill. He had Kelsey. He had all those guys. What did they do? They were getting beat every week. He was throwing two turnovers a game. He had two turnovers a game for like the first six games or whatever. That's Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill with Kelsey. Mm-hmm. You team, you you don't you never win alone. It's never happened in the history of the NFL. It will never happen. Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and uh, JJ Dillon. AJ. AJ Dillon, Robert Tanyan, like they're 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 defensive pass rushers, like they uh jaria jaria alexander if he comes back like no team's doing it alone so no he can't do it alone because no one can well mike this was this was one of my questions this week was this a bad question no because people need to hear that 
Because that's exactly what gets said. Well, $40 million quarterback, this is, I'm, I'm going to go on a rant here real quick. This is what I get all the time. They go, I, I hate this because I had to put a video because this is what I, everybody knows I love Dak Prescott, most of you guys, right? So I get the Dak haters that are like, oh, you're just a Dak lover. So then this week I came out and was like, hey, Vance Joseph got Dak. Dak, Dak couldn't figure him out. They, they got him. Then I had everybody thinking I was like one of the Dak haters. I'm like, yo. So I put out a video going, listen, Dak is great. It doesn't make him a shitty quarterback, but he got beat this time. Vance Joseph mm-hmm. got him. Saints do it to Tom Brady twice this year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got it in the first game of the year. Like you, your your great quarterbacks get beat. Mahomes got it for a half a season. He was getting beat. You know, even when they started winning, the offense sucked. Their defense picked it up for them. So this isn't a, the Jaguars stymied Josh Allen. So what happens is I go, is they go, well, look at how inconsistent Dak is. I'm like, okay, well, tell me the quarterback that didn't have a few bad games. Aaron Rodgers only had one. So I took him out. I said, he's the top guy. Okay, now tell me why these guys are better than Dak Prescott this season when uh, when they've all had bad games. Tom Brady, top, bad games. Allen, bad games. Mahomes, bad games. Mo- more bad games than Dak did. What do they say? Well, he's uh, uh, he's an MVP. He's won all these Super Bowls. You don't get your making my point. So the guy who's a eight, seven, eight-time Super Bowl winner, won multiple MVPs, the other guy who's been to two Super Bowls, won one, won an MVP or two, those guys have bad games, has had as many bad games as Dak has, Mahomes at least. Brady's mm-hmm. had some bad ones too. Those all-time great already put him in the Hall of Fame quarterbacks have done the same thing Dak has. Dak in his first seven games was as good. I said straight up after New England, he's the best quarterback in the league. Playing. Playing right now better than any other quarterback. So why is it Dak plays great, elite, the best play you can play through a certain amount of weeks of the season. He does the same bad stuff that Super Bowl MVPs do, but he's average. But these guys, well, with them, it's different. They've won. Yeah, but that shouldn't that make it obvious that then Dak is not average if the greatest of the great can get stymied, have bad games, be off, miss throws. Mahomes is a miss throw king. They don't even compare. Mahomes misses way more throws than Dak Prescott. You guys just don't watch Mahomes every play. That's all it is. Ask not to, at not to be trite. Ask him to go show you that. So, I mean, and, and then you go like, Nobody says Russell Wilson anymore. Well, why? Well, he's had a terrible year. Like he's been clearly worse than Dak Prescott. Well, he won a Super Bowl. So why isn't he better than Dak? He won a Super Bowl. Well, no, you can watch and see he's not better than Dak this year. Even Dak playing bad has not played as bad as Russell Wilson has at his playing bad. And don't give me like the t- that guy has DK Metcalf and Lockett. He's he's fine. He has receivers. So it, it's just an irritating they, – they think they're making this wonderful point of, well, yeah, they've won before. Yeah, but you're making my point. You're calling Dak average when he's doing the same thing that Super Bowl MVPs do multiple games a year, that the best of the best do. But when they do it, it's they're not like, oh, Dak's – nobody goes Tom Brady's falling off. Oh, Patrick Mahomes has been figured out. Nobody does that. 
they go, oh, they won before. So it clears up all the facts that they play half games great and half games bad, just like Dak does. You know, but they watch Dak every play. They see every throw. They, you know, so they overanalyze it. And then the media, they talk about Patrick Mahomes and they talk about Tom Brady, but then they're not as much as Dallas. It just isn't. And then when people know that if you dig at, especially the quarterback of Dallas, you get clicks. So even when the team last year was the worst defense in the league, what, what would we talk about? Well, Dak turned the ball over. Well, Dak had Terrence Steele and Knight, and had, his defense was giving up 40 points. He had to throw the ball 50 times a game. You think if that – look at Mahomes this year. Your best quarterback ever Super Bowl MVP when he had a bad offensive line and a bad defense. He was a turnover machine. Way more than Dak was to start that season. He was averaging Mahomes, not Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes was averaging two turnovers a game himself because he had no protection. He had to throw the ball 100 times because his defense sucked. But Dak gets in that situation where he's just average. That's why. Well, why he did it? He was doing better than Mahomes was in that same situation because Mahomes had a better team, had a better coaching staff, was able to get to a Super Bowl and win. Like if if Dak was able to do that, all of a sudden he's not average when he does the same stuff. If he goes on to win the Super Bowl this year, next year he's going to do the same thing. He's going to have eight to ten really good games, two really, really good games, two really, really bad games, and a few average games, just like every other quarterback except for maybe friggin' Aaron Rodgers does. So sorry, I had to go on that rant. It frustrates me because they it's just because Cowboys are such a high media market and attacking the quarterback means more uh, ratings-wise, people buy into that, and then they don't think like, hey, you know what? He's right. This, this really great quarterback's doing the same thing Dak is. Why am I killing Dak? Because he hadn't won one yet? Sorry, only one team does that every year. You know, why does Stafford still get put in like top five conversations and QBs? Stafford's never been better. He has not better than Dak Prescott. He doesn't put up the numbers Dak Prescott does. He has better, as good a talent as Dak does now. He had Megatron before. He doesn't win. He stinks now. He's, he's playing horrible. But they came back and won the game, so he's great and awesome because the defense held him to it that game. He still stunk. He had three turnovers. He was awful. He almost cost the team the game. So it, it's just a double standard because he wears the star and, uh, and it is what it is. You have to deal with it. I just tell people now, my, my thing now is to just say, don't watch him. Yep. You're right. Dak Prescott stinks. So never win. So pick it, be a green Bay fan. You got Aaron Rodgers. That's my response to those guys from now on. If you're just going to overdo, oh, but Dak has this, he should be this and that and this, and that, then you don't watch the games. You're just watching TV and spitting out the same trash that, fake sports debate people uh say so i'm i'm not going to deal with it anymore i'm just going to go that's fine yep he sucks don't watch him season's already over then when he wins one you shut the fuck up well there you have it guys <laughs> a little bit of a vent venting there sorry you know, we'll like for me you, hey we'll skip you from the sideline instead <laughs> just skip over it's nothing important anyway so, you know, to answer that question about has Dak shown you enough this season to make you feel that he can win a playoff game by himself, you know, what I originally said was he has not. We've yet to see Dak win a game by himself this season, and when he had the t- chance to do it, he came up short. But, Mike, to your point, I mean, you think about 
what the defense has to do, the offensive line, the receivers, the coaching staff, you're having to, and the refs, which we've, we've seen them multiple times a season, trying to beat them too. No quarterback can do that. Like you said. It, it, well, it makes me laugh. Imagine if Tom Brady throws an interception the first game, right? To end the game, right? This is the defense is on the field. Dak Prescott has already got the lead, took the team down, got the lead. Brady throws a pick all of a sudden because the defense made a play. Dak Prescott could win a big game all by himself. They scored 40 points. He had to pass. They couldn't run at all. Dak won the game all by himself because Brady came down and scored on the defense. Dak can't, Dak can't do it by himself. Can't win a big game. I'm like, it's, it amazes me the stupidity that goes into that type of thinking. Just the QB, the thinking a QB wins as a QB stat alone is dumb. It, it's, it's just bad. It's bad analysis. Well, you know, just one thing that I saw yesterday that we've seen in a few games this season, a couple games, not a few, but just when Dak is getting those happy feet, making those inaccurate throws at this point in his career, it's, it is slightly concerning, isn't it? Yeah, his mechanics are inconsistent this year, too. He had really done a good job last year of uh, cleaning that up. And, and early in this season, pre-calf injury, which is not an excuse. Yeah. I'm not, that's just a timeline. I'm not saying that it's because of his calf injury. But before the calf injury happened, uh, he was his mechanics were great, and he was maybe the best quarterback playing in the league. As good as Rodgers and Brady were at that time, that was your top three. Mm-hmm. And then his mechanics got sloppy as he got back. And he, and I, I still take it as he doesn't trust the O-line, I think, because like you said, happy feet, bad mechanics. But it's that's a Dak issue. It is concerning because there are plays where the O-line nails it and then you don't make a good throw because you're worried about the O-line. Well, that's a Dak issue. That's not an O-line issue. So Dak's got to get out of his head and just maintain his mechanics. I'd also like to see him get out and run more. I think he's so afraid of the injury or or getting hit again or or getting a problem like that. Get out of there and scramble. Mm -hmm. Pick up six yards. Keep us ahead of the chains. Yeah, I liked how he did that uh, a couple times yesterday, though. That That was nice. He's done it the last two games. It's mm-hmm. a thing that if, if he starts to do that in the playoffs, it's going to make a big difference on the team. I'm kind of hoping, you know, that maybe he, if I don't know what's going to happen with the Eagles, obviously, but maybe he does get a rush and he gets hit again. Maybe not like, you know, kind of a bigger hit to where he feels that again. And he's like, okay, you know, I can take this. I'm not going to get hurt. I should start doing this again. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how much they play because they moved us to Saturday. And I think they did that because, we kind of have to play because if the Rams lose to the Niners, we can move up to the third seed, I believe. And if Tampa uh, loses and the Ram lose, you, you can be back in the second seed, I, I think, tied. So I, I just I think they moved us to Saturday knowing that means we have to play. So we'll see what they do. All right, Mike, here's our one word question for the week. One word. How would you describe Dallas compared to the elite teams in the NFL? Uh, I used salvageable. So it, did, do they look as good now the way Tampa was able to hold on to their game, the Rams were able to hold on to their game, the way Green Bay's playing? Right now after a loss, you could like break it down and go, ah, I don't know if they look good, this and that. But I think they have the most as talented a team as there is. They can beat anybody. Uh, they just have to execute. So I think it's salvageable. If they get hot, especially offensively, 
really, really especially running the ball, if Kellen Moore adds something in to get that running game going, then I think they can beat anybody in there. So I'm going salvageable. You're not going to like this one, Mike, but for me, it's inferior. When the lights are brightest, we come up short, whether it be injuries, bad calls, or playing a top-tier team. Dallas has come up short more often than not, and that makes them inferior to me. I'm okay with that word. Right now, until they show they can do it, they, they are the fourth seed. So you said compared to other contenders, they're the bottom ones. Rams are higher, Bucks are higher, Green Bay's higher. So that word could be perfect. You know, uh, here we are moving to top five. I want to give a big shout out again to Dylan Wilson for uh, the continuation of uh, his top five category. Uh, Dylan is the co-host of the Talking Boys with the Boys podcast. You can find Dylan on Twitter at Dylan88Wilson. Last week, we discussed our all-time favorite comedic TV series. Uh, Part two of Dylan's top five category is our favorite all-time dramas. So this week, we'll be discussing our favorite uh, drama TV dramas. Here, we're going to start off with Dylan's list. And number one, he has Hannibal. I've never seen that. Number two is Dexter. Number three, Breaking Bad. Number four is Heels. I've never seen that. And Mike's going to be uh, real familiar with this one is The Mandalorian. Oh, I love The Mandalorian. Okay, so. I, is I've that a drama? A, that's, here we go. I'm going to get into my qualifiers right now. There were okay. way too many under drama. For okay. Mandalorian is not a drama. It is action. If there is any way I can move a show to another category, I did it. So Shameless is, is a comedy drama. I just said, you know what? It's comedy. It's not a drama. Okay. Uh, uh, Justified, action. Um, Daredevil, action. Uh, American Horror Story, horror. So I took straight up, all they are is straight dramas. There's no mix of comedy drama it's not a big action show that has drama in it so i left off stuff like deadwood justified daredevil i left dexter off because i find it as more of a horror killer show stranger things more of a monster show a comedy sci-fi almost right what's that sci-fi even yeah stranger things so i went straight drama so when you hear my five It'll be ones that that if I could throw a, a show in another category, I did it because this was difficult. So Mandalorian, mm-hmm. I had under action sci-fi. So I because I, I wrote down like 30 shows and then I started sticking them in categories. So yeah. go ahead. No, I was gonna say when we were talking pre-roll, I had a show in my top five, but then you 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 uh you had said something like that uh caught my attention so i looked it up and i'm like you know what this is not actually not under the drama category so i got to take it out yeah that's that is the key making sure you get five dramas and then i was like well did i did i still did i miss some i just it's a hard one this because you're going through not like it's not like top five dramas that are on now i had to go back through like my a lot of mine aren't playing anymore so you know they they We'll see. We'll see how it comes. All right. Well, Mike, before we get to number five, do you have any honorable mention this week? Of, of, well, a better call Saul. I love, I really wanted to get that one in there. I honestly could have put it, but I have the other one of that, the non spinoff. So I was like, you know what? 
Better Call Saul has a season where he was with his brother that some of the best writing and TV I've mm. ever seen in my life. Yes, yes, um, yes. And it absolutely deserves to be on here. And the only reason I didn't have it above my number five, because I actually have it rated higher, is because I was like, you know what? I have I have the other show in there somewhere in my list. And so I'll, I'll put this other one in uh, instead. I'm going through Boardwalk Empire is another one that I guess you'd consider it a drama. I, don't, I wouldn't consider it action. It's like a gangster mobster type. I don't know how else I would put it in there if not a drama. So yeah, those are two that, and the newsroom uh, is another one. That one's definitely a drama that I, is just such good writing. And I think Mindhunter is kind of a drama. I know it's about serial killers, but there's not a lot of death and killing. It's about profiling them. And so that was another one that, that I would have got in there, but they have, they have only two seasons. They don't know if they're going to have a third one. So I left it off. So those are my honorable mentions. I didn't go too far down the line. Yeah, Mike, that's a good honorable mention. Honor, honorable mention list. Excuse me, guys. Uh, you were definitely a little bit more strict on yours than mine, than I was. Yeah, I, I because otherwise I would have done a Tom Hanks where I had us here 20 minutes before we even got to the top five. This one and 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 this one. Because I like Goliath. The first season of Goliath, it's awesome. The um, the uh, what's the other one that uh, Billy Bob Thornton uh, is in the first season of it, and it's um, damn, it's from Fargo. Fargo is great, and and has you know. So if I don't like switch it out and and put them in categories and narrow it down, we'd be here talking about shows forever. Well, Mike, start us off with number five on your list. Number five, I, I made a switch at the end. I actually had power, but I was like, you know what? Power can be considered action. So I flipped it to Handmaid's Tale. Mm, okay. Um, uh, Hulu. Uh, it's, uh, it's, have you seen Handmaid's Tale? My wife and I started it. We, we haven't got around to getting back on it, but the episodes I saw are just absolutely amazing. It is, it's hard to watch. They, man, it's just a brutal. It's in a, it's in like a po post-apocalyptic kind of where uh, the, the United States is even broken up into sections. And one section as this is like a religious cult thing where they make basically females into breeders and they're kind of like breeder slaves. And it's about the, the handmaids trying to break away one in particular. And uh, it's a hard watch, but it's really, really good edge of your seat. Yeah, good one. So I want to go over my honorable mentions list. Uh, for me, I had Lost, which is one of my all-time favorite series. Mad Men, which is really good. And then to some might shock, some people might be shocked here, but I have The Sopranos on my honorable mention. I uh, To be clear, I have not finished all the way through The Sopranos. We talked about this. It's been a great show. I am on season three or four. It's been a little bit since we watched the episode. Um, and then um, Lost, I never, I saw an episode with a big like cloud monster. And I was like, I thought this was about like a plane going down and, and, a, and people surviving on an island. And I saw that, that monster thing. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do this. And I never watched the show and people tell me it's great, but the, the, I just, I don't, I, I was like, it has to be like, they're all dead or something, you know, because I don't get how the monster thing could be there on a show that's supposed to be just about like 
people that got lost in a plane crash on an island. That's just my thought behind it. If you're ever, you know, you're in between shows or something, you're looking for something different to watch. I cannot recommend Lost enough, dude. All right, I'll I'll have to. I got to add it to a really long list of freaking. Yeah. So, Mike, number five on my list, Boardwalk Empire. Oh, I made it in there. That was in my special notice. That's I love that show. The dude with the face. With oh the, my like god! The, god there's so many great characters in that. It's awesome. I, I can't remember if it's season two or season three, but that entire series and then the series finale is like some of the best television I'll probably ever see. Yeah, board, great. You know what? I would have not guessed you watched Boardwalk Empire, so that's awesome. Really? Why is that? I don't know, because you just don't watch anything that's ever good in life. Everything that's great, you're like, never seen it. I'm like, how have you never seen it? So I just figured like my top five would be riddled with stuff that's like, no, nah, never seen that one. Unless it's something like in the recent last few years, I just figured it'd be something where you're like, no, nah, don't know. I mean, you don't know like Die Hard, or Lethal Weapon or like yeah, everything wonderful in this world from the 90s. <laughs> Very fair. So originally, Mike, I should have added this in my honorable mention, but in my top five, I uh, I had originally I had Boardwalk Empire in my honorable mentions and I had Barry in my top five. But then you said something. Comedy. I'm like, OK, well, I should look at Barry and it's listed as a comedy. So I was like, OK, then I get obviously it's not a drama, so I can't have it in comedy. I wish I would have known it was a comedy because I probably would have had it in last week's top five. Yeah, but that's yeah, how good it is. Barry's a comedy and it's fantastic. It really it's- is really good yeah it really is um but number four on my list game of thrones really see i didn't have that on there i just the ending the, the way they rushed the seven season seven really dude. bothered me and then i had it under more action you know uh uh what do you call that action like um sci-fi fantasy, almost fantasy. fantasy action and so i didn't put it in the drama category but the drama elements of the show are actually really really good uh, I'm just bummed because they, you know, the the Game they of Thrones. Well, they got the they got the Disney money. Disney wanted yeah. to make Star Wars movie, so of course when you get Game of Thrones money is great. It's not Disney money, so they mm-hmm. got paid a bunch of money and then left Game of Thrones. And the bad ending kind of left a bad taste in everybody's mouth, and everybody was pissed at them. And they started on the Disney thing, and Disney was like, "Never mind, we don't want you on fire." Like, oh wow. Yeah, hey, that's what they get. Trilogy. No, uh, Taki Awat is uh, who is he's the man. He's Korg from uh, from Thor Ragnarok, the all rock guy. He's the one that directed Thor Ragnarok. He did some of the episodes of Mandalorian. Um, he's the uh, he's the assassin droid in Mandalorian. He does the voice of that. He got the trilogy uh, for Star Wars, and I'm very excited to see it. But uh, he got it, and they fired the Game of Thrones people. Yeah, because actually I thought about uh, taking Game of Thrones out and having Lost in there just because of how bad it ended. Yeah, it was it was I was really bummed by the by the ending of Game of it just my I'm I was good with everything except for all the build up and then they had the war last one episode. Like that that yeah. war should have lasted a season. Like mm-hmm. have a half a season just on the strategy and going back and forth battling that that should have been a six episode half a season you know but eh, it is what it is we got what we got now read the books if the guy doesn't die before he finishes the damn books <laughs> so mike what's number four on your list four is ozark 
Uh, just to be clear, four, three, and two could go any. Ozark could easily be two. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I have no. I just kind of wrote them in. I didn't even have an order for these next three. So uh, Ozark is incredible. If you haven't seen it, just watch it. It's on Netflix. I don't even. It's they're they're trying to they get in debt with the wrong people and are trying to figure out a way to to work it out. And it ends up there in this place called the Ozarks and it's it's incredible television just watch it literally incredible yeah it's unbelievable all right what's number three on your list breaking bad the reason i didn't put better call saul is i didn't want to have breaking bad and better call saul both in it although they were belonging but i'll be 100 honest with you better call saul is a better show than handmaiden's tale better call saul is it's it's good. Handmaid's Tale has parts where you're like, you're really doing this again, like you know that. But Better Call Saul's ne- their writing is so on point; it's as good as anything there is, except for maybe my number two show that's coming up. Uh, it's it's fantastic. The better the writing on Better Call Saul is better than the writing on Breaking Bad, and it's the same people. It, it's mm-hmm. it really I'm disappointed I didn't just put it in there and give both shows the credit they deserve. But I wanted Handmaid's Tale to get mentioned because it is good. But Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, both fantastic. Start with Breaking Bad. It gives you the, the, the history of the character. And it kind of sets you up for Better Call Saul because the, the thing that I love about Breaking Bad the most is every single show that's ever been made like Breaking Bad in history, that little weasel lawyer goes out at the end and he's the one that causes them to lose everything. He gives them up. And that not Saul. <laughs> That, to this day he's that meme of uh of uh homeboy deontay wilder going to this day better call saw never went back on on friggin uh the guys on breaking bad so I, I just love him i'm so glad he got that show it's all good man yeah it's all good man i love that the, the writing's just incredible i can't wait that did that that the last season's still coming up of that right one yeah, person. but uh, apparently uh, Bob Odenkirk was dealing with some health issues, so they're not going to record uh, the final season until sometime this year. That's good. Just get it done, Bob. Don't be dying on us like the author of Game of Thrones is going to. You're all letting us down with your dying. Damn <laughs> you people. Mike, number three on my list. Better call Saul. Yeah. I don't even need go ahead. You heard my uh, take on that great show. Yeah, I, uh, it's just, again, there was, I, I don't know if, I guess maybe it was season, was it season two with his brother? Again, he talked about it. Perfect television, man. It, it was incredible. It just, that season where he's going back and forth with his brother is, is you could put it up there with, with Wire season four, with uh, uh, Dexter season three, with John Lithgow. You put it up there with some of the greatest seasons of 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 tv that there's ever been absolutely number two ozark baby oh yeah see we we're we're on point with our dramas we yes we sir our dramas on point you could have easily had ozark as two for me too i mean it, uh-huh. it could have fluctuated anywhere in there all right so what's number two on your list this is us the, the uh, show i ball i I don't know if I've been through more than three episodes without crying on that show. It's the best written show on television currently. 
Um, John, uh, Sterling uh, is, is genius. He's my favorite actor right now. The best crying face there's ever is his cry is, is you just cry watching him cry. It doesn't you just hit mute, not know the story, watch him cry and he'll make you cry. Like it's, <laughs> it's so good. And they don't have the, it never feels derived. Like, ah, uh, this is the same, you know, like, Oh, you, you liked a girl again and it didn't work out. So now you're mad. Like it, it doesn't have that writing in it. It always feels like believable that, Oh, this character is going through this now. Oh, that's yeah. You could see that transition in a person, why that would happen. So I, I just love this as us. And, and the funny story, I never saw the first season until after I saw one episode in the second season, I was recording it for somebody else to watch it because they worked and they came over like, I can't believe you don't watch this. I'm like, yeah, I never really, you know, I didn't want to watch. I watch anything. I'm, I'm not one of those, like, I don't watch these type of shows. I literally watch everything and anything. But I just never started it. I don't really like network shows. The 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 NBC, Fox stuff like that are not. I don't do it for me. But uh, I saw an episode of it, and I was like, you know what? This this actually was a really good show. So then I watched the second episode of the second season. I was like, man, this is really good. And I ended up. I think I watched the whole second season, recording it for my friend. And then went back and said, man, this is incredible. I got to go back and see all what they were talking about from the first season. The first season was amazing and it's just been great. I love that show so much. Yeah, that was uh, my wife. She was reading something about it and she's like, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to watch that because I hear a lot of all it does is make you cry. And I was like, you know, Mike said it's really good. It was, he said it, he thought it was something that uh, you and I could watch together and enjoy. I think you'd love it, but you will cry. You, you are not a human being with a heart if you do not cry at some point during that show. Keep that in mind. Well, Mike, here we are at number one. What's your number one this week? My number one's The Shield. Uh, I It's the best show I've ever watched. It's my number one. It has been since the first season. I name a fantasy team every year, the Farmington Vic Mackeys, because it's my favorite TV character ever. Michael Chiklis plays them. Uh, Walter Goggins um, and then it has a rotating uh, cast of people that you would go oh shoot he's in this he's in this you know um, Jimmy Smith is in it one uh, 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 for a few seasons um, it's just so good and it's about it's about the line that like it's bad it's dirty cops make no mistake these are dirty cops but they also, when they're doing their police work, save things and solve crimes and stuff. So it's that it, it was one of the first shows where you're rooting for a bad guy. Like Vic Mackey's a bad guy. Like right now in 2020, you couldn't do that show because people would be like, nah, dude, that's too real. Like, you know, with, with how people have been being killed by police, stuff like that. You know, it, it just straight up has that in the show. And you're like rooting for that cop. Like, even though he's completely a bad guy, like, no doubt about it, he does enough good stuff, but he's like, you'll go in shows and the person will be trying to catch him. And the person that's trying to catch him is genuinely like a good dude, like a district attorney you should be going for. And you're like, nah, F that guy. I want, how's, how's Mackie going to get away with that this time? It just, it's still, and, and it was one of the first shows that bordered that, that TV mature like it had like, like racy sex scenes that were a FX, 
Like, so, you know, there wasn't like, you couldn't show stuff, but it would show enough stuff. Enough. Yeah. yeah. Before American history X came and you could cut people's heads off and stuff. This was the show that ushered that in on, on networks like that. The shield was the first one that people were like, Hey, damn, we ought to, we ought to like up our content rating. Cause it's not affecting the ratings. This show is doing really well. And, uh, and it, it ushered in all the ones after it that you see now that are on FX a lot still that you see that that really pushed the limits like American Horror Story is a perfect example that was ushered in by the shield so that's my top show I've never seen a single episode of that show must watch tv I I literally have it all on friggin dvd download even though I have a 4k I have all like six seven seasons every episode downloaded uh and i never watch them i just want them there so i know i can if i want to is that on like an hbo max it would be on fx the fx uh has their own thing and i don't know if it's epics if that's it or if that's a different one but fx has its own on-demand thing and the shield should be on okay cool i'll keep that in mind well mike number one on my list is probably going to be pretty obvious to some but breaking bad yeah break there's no argument. You're not going to get me to argue against Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad had how many seasons? They had one episode ever that I didn't really like. The one where they were cleaning. One of the last seasons, and they're just cleaning that center, you know? And I felt like that was a... And that was the only episode that ever that I wasn't like, this is incredible television. It, yeah. It's it's almost a perfect show. Really? Seriously? that I wonder what's next for that director. I know Vince, Vince something Vince. Yeah, uh, not I don't know why I wanted to say Vince Gill, but he's the old country singer, Vince yeah, Gilligan yeah. or something like that. Well, he's got to finish a Better Call Saul first. He's, yeah, he, that's his thing too. So, what's next after his Breaking Bad universe stuff is done? What is he going to go into next? Exactly. Well, Mike, as always, man, I uh, I enjoyed the discussion tonight. I, I really liked your list. It's, it's, oh. It was weird that we had so many in common for me. We did. We we don't often do that, but but we uh, we made it, and and we got Ozark, and we had Breaking Bad, and we had Better Call Saul, basically. So we were we were we were on point here. This is ranking TV shows and movies is hard. It's really hard. It is. It's. I worked at a video store for friggin a decade i managed one for a few years and i just watched everything that came in i mean i just take it home and watch the b movies and the tv shows and everything and so i have an extensive friggin list of stuff that i've seen and i've got to come condensing it into five is like it's brutal it really is well mike uh, while we're wrapping things up remind the people that can find you on twitter you can find me at fuckface asshole. <laughs> CD Piglet, guys. Nice and easy. Letter C, letter D, Piglet. <laughs> guys, I am Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>